0: It was a strange sensation for the congressman, who had first come to the attention of this institution eleven years before as a virtual public outlaw, a seemingly corrupt, cocaine-snorting, scandal-prone womanizer, who, the CIA was convinced, could only get the agency into terrible trouble if it permitted him to become involved in any way in its operations. But now the director himself was leading this civilian into the bubble and everyone was standing in silence as if a holy man were passing. The oddness of this moment is hard to exaggerate. America had just won the Cold War, a triumph every bit as significant as the victory over Nazi Germany, yet there had been no V-Day celebrations, no ticker-tape parades, no Douglas MacArthur to publicly celebrate. Life in the capital seemed to roll on as if there never had been a Cold War. At this moment, Charlie Wilson, of all people, was about to be honoured as the architect of a great American triumph. On a large screen on the auditorium's stage was a quotation, all that was necessary to explain why they were all there. Charlie did it. President Zia ul haq of Pakistan explaining the defeat of the Russians in Afghanistan. The director quickly came to the point. The defeat and breakup of the Soviet Empire is one of the great events of world history, there were many heroes in this battle, but to Charlie Wilson must go a special recognition. Woolsey compared Wilson's role to that of Walesa climbing over the fence at Gdansk to launch the Solidarity Movement. He described how invincible the Soviets had appeared to be just thirteen years before, and how Wilson had engineered one of the lethal body blows that had wrecked the Communist Empire. Without him, Woolsey concluded, "'History might have been hugely different and sadly different.' Sitting in the third row of the audience, a man in his fifties with thick glasses and a bushy mustache chewed gum manically, as if he were about to explode. Twenty-five years of clandestine service had accustomed him to looking beneath the surface of events. Wheels within wheels moved in his brain as he thought of the incredible irony of this ceremony. He hadn't been back to the agency for three years, but one thing was certain. The men currently running the CIA weren't about to tip their hat to the role he had played with Wilson in turning a timid, uncertain operation into the biggest, meanest, and far away most successful CIA campaign in history. The truth was, Gustav Rakatos was the only person in the room who understood how it had all happened, how he had broken the rules to make it happen, and how easy it would have been if he had let the bureaucrats have their way for things to have gone very, very differently. The gray man, so used to operating in the shadows, recognized that once again he would have to sit back and let Charlie take the honors for both of them. A Hot Tub in Las Vegas When Congressman Charlie Wilson set off for a weekend at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas on June 27, 1980, he was a man in search of pure, decadent pleasure. The moment he walked into the hotel and saw the way the receptionists were dressed, he knew he had come to the right place. No doubt there were other members of the 96th Congress who fantasized about orgies and altered states, but had any of them chosen to take the kind of plunge that Charlie Wilson had in mind, you can be sure they would have gone to some trouble to maintain a low profile, if not a Disguise." Instead, Charlie strode into the lobby of Caesars almost as if he were trying to imitate his childhood hero Douglas MacArthur, majestically stalking ashore to take back the Philippines. He looked in no way ashamed or uncertain about what he was doing in this center of gambling and entertainment. In truth, it wouldn't have been easy for Wilson to fade into any background. Six foot seven in his cowboy boots, he was handsome, with one of those classic outdoor faces that tobacco companies bet millions on and he just didn't have the heart or the temperament to operate in the shadows. He looked like a millionaire, but the truth was, after eight years in the Texas legislature and almost as many in the House, he had nothing to show for his efforts but debt and a $70,000 a year government salary that didn't come near to supporting his lifestyle. In all of Vegas there was no place like Caesar's Palace in 1980. It was the first of the great hotel emporiums to be inspired by the fall of a civilization— its promoters had had the genius to recognize that the sins of rome could seem far more enticing than any contemporary offering and as the young roman in the toga whipped out the gleaming two-inch thick golden key to the fantasy suite he opened a door designed to lead even the most pious of.